Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Jay Carson and Michael Baranowski. Hello, and welcome to the Politics Guys, a weekly roundup of what's been happening in American politics and why it matters. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week is, as always, Cleveland attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson, the man to see for all your commercial litigation needs. In this week's episode, Jay and I discuss Ted Cruz, who becomes the first person to officially throw his hat into the ring for the 2016 presidential election. We look at Cruz's chances of being the next president and discuss one of his dumbest ideas. And believe me, there were a lot to choose from. Indiana's Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Is the state anti-gay or pro-religious freedom? Can the answer be both? Why the Army made the right call in deciding to prosecute Sergeant Bo Bergdahl for desertion and misbehavior before the enemy. The ungodly mess that is U.S. foreign policy. And finally, the mystery man behind California's Sodomite Suppression Act. Our top story this week is Ted Cruz, who on Monday became the first official candidate of the 2016 presidential election by announcing his candidacy uh, at Liberty University, which, of course, is the world's largest Christian school. Can you have an amen? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Uh, And uh, Cruz uh, suggested he would do exactly the sort of things you would think Cruz suggested he would do uh, to... uh, Essentially, un-Obamaize the country, I suppose, uh, stand for Christian ideals and conservative values and all that sort of thing. So uh, what do you think about uh, Ted Cruz as a potential president? Well, yes, yes, we Canadian, Mike. That's, I think, going to be the slogan. Um, get it with the... Right, he is, you know. he is a, a Canadian. Is he, is he a Canadian? No, he's not is he Canadian an American? He what was, is he, he exactly? Born, I don't know. He was born in, in uh, Canada. Uh, he, he is still qualified to run for president, though, because of a situation where his mother was a uh, native-born American citizen who was abroad at the time she gave birth. I, uh, I think you mean I think you mean he's eligible to run for president, but qualified might be another word. I would maybe disagree enough. with that. Fair enough. Uh, um, yes, he is. He is uh, not barred by that, and. Um, uh, when I he has to, said his mother was abroad, that was not some sort of 1940s slang. That was to say she was actually in Canada when she gave yes. birth. Yes. Um, uh, but um, uh, no, I, I say welcome to the party. I, I think this is good. And, uh, I, I, you know, we've everyone's been talking about people running for president uh, for some time. And well, now someone actually is. Yeah. Um, I suspect there will be more. But but um, no, I, I think he is. I mean, you may not like him, you may not like what he has to say, but he's he's a smart guy, and I think he is kind of staking out the, um, we would call maybe the Burkean uh, conservative uh, part, you know, sort of sort of like on the libertarian cusp on some things, but uh, uh, not necessarily. Even though he, even though he gave the speech at Liberty. Uh, not necessarily social conservatism, uh, conservative uh, in the uh, sense of, of like a Mike Huckabee or a um, uh, others, others of, of that bent. 
um, which may in fact be why he made the announcement speech at, at Liberty. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think I think it's interesting how, of course, he uh, really dislikes President Obama, yet he, in certain ways, he is so similar to President Obama. Uh, mid-40s, first-term senator, uh, he currently has uh, what's it? Twenty-six months of national political experience. So, of course, he's you know well qualified. Uh, Barack Obama had uh, one less month of Senate experience when he announced for the presidency, and so uh, I mean, a lot of people have been pointing out those similarities, kind of mirror images. Well, it's of sort of other. it's sort of like the line in the movie where like the villain goes to the hero, like you and I are not so different, are yes. we? Uh, <laughs> Except well, in everything they believe, they, yeah. They, they've had the same, um, yeah, level of experience. Um, well, one uh, one other big difference is that uh, Barack Obama was, without a doubt, a, a backbencher in the Senate. He didn't really try to do anything. So a big difference there is Ted Cruz has tried to do a lot. In fact, uh, he was voted the most hated man in the Senate. Uh, he has not made very many friends among the Republican elite. And that actually might be the single biggest impediment to his uh, winning the nomination. Uh, There's never been a candidate without serious party support who's won the nomination. And uh, I don't really see Ted Cruz as being the first. That's not to say that this couldn't be lucrative for him in many ways, but I would be stunned if Ted Cruz became the uh, Republican nominee. Oh, I would say, uh, and this is kind of funny, uh, there was there was a piece in National Review, uh, sort of a, yes, Ted Cruz actually could win, and, you know, maybe who knows. And I guess it's maybe people were just having a little bit of March Madness sort of sort of fit, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, like, you know, when it gets to the tournament, anybody can win, anything That's can right. happen. Hey, Notre um, Dame almost beat Kentucky, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, you, you get this sort of... Um, uh, sense of uh, who knows and 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 yeah i i will i'd say that it is not um uh absolutely impossible that he would win but uh he won't <laughs> I mean, just, right right I mean, and i'm not saying necessarily the presidency i'm saying the nomination but uh, for it, it, it's one thing business. it's one thing to say that he won't win and and he won't but uh, another question is Will he perhaps change the party a little bit? Now, Ted Cruz, of course, likens himself to Ronald Reagan, as so many Republicans do. But a better comparison might actually be a guy named Barry Goldwater. Uh, Agreed. And Barry Goldwater, for for listeners who don't know, was a very conservative uh, Republican and in uh, who famously said, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. Moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. Yeah. And uh, he was... And as, the, as I recall, Mike, when, when we first met, I, I mean, I have a memory of this. I think you were actually wearing a Barry Goldwater shirt, T-shirt. I, I, I'm, I don't know if I had a shirt, but I certainly was a big fan. Do you still have that T-shirt? Because I, I remember the T-shirt. Huh. Maybe I'm blocking it out. I don't know. You also, you also had a Nixon tan rested and ready. Now, uh, that sure. one I do remember, yes. That was <laughs> one of my favorites. Absolutely. But, of course, Barry Goldwater, he was absolutely wiped out in 1964 in the presidential election by LBJ. And uh, while he didn't win, a lot of people would argue that he essentially paved the way for Ronald Reagan to win in, in 1980. 
and right. he sort of changed and made the Republican Party a little more conservative. Though honestly, right now, considering where the party is, I don't know that it could be that much more conservative. Well, I think you know what uh, Goldwater did uh, was was a different. First of all, it was a little bit of a different kind of conservatism, and that may be what Cruz ends up doing is sort of. Uh, wedding or or bringing together some of the more Goldwater, um, again libertarian Burkean sort of uh, tradition, um, uh, and and sort of touching on the social conservatism, uh, also to bring to bring those two camps together, which which was sort of what you know where Reagan was. Uh, now I think there's there's a lot of differences. I mean, for one thing, Goldwater was the nominee. Um, uh, because there was just really not many people in the field, uh, and it was also a, a, a different time. Um, uh, oh, you know, comparing, you know, for example, I mean, the Democratic Party of of that time was was very much uh, uh, pro interventionist, uh, anti communist. Uh, it was it was a different Democratic Party in foreign policy, and it was a different Republican Party that that Eisenhower had led. It was pretty comfortable with a lot of the pro-labor stuff that mm-hmm. uh, uh, FDR had put in. There was no attempt to repeal that. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, we're talking sort of about two different eras, but I, I, I think it's going to be good. I think it's it's good to have these discussions, and I think Cruz is one of these guys who's smart enough to 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 have that uh, discussion and talk about ideas. Uh, I don't think he's going to be the nominee um, for for all those reasons because it's it's usually almost always the you know party favorite uh, anointed guy who 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 gets the nomination. It's sort of tautological almost, but yeah. And, and um, I think one of the you know there are popularity there are, contests are won by the most popular. So. Yes. Well, there are, there are pluses and minuses to getting into the game early. Uh, one of the reasons probably why Ted Cruz was the first one to announce is he saw sort of the little boomlet for Scott Walker, who's trying to stake out the similar kind of more conservative option to, uh, let's say, Jeb Bush, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the downsides of getting in early, officially announcing is that then all of a sudden you come under uh, FEC? Uh, the FEC down, keeping you keeping you down. Exactly. So that's that's why if people are wondering why haven't these other candidates officially announced? Because it's a lot easier if you don't have to worry about that pesky FEC. Right. Right. You know, keeping track of all the yeah. money and what you're doing and who. You, um, uh, but uh, generally, I mean, I mean, where where are you on Cruz? Just well, I think I I, I will say. Where I am on him, I think Ted Cruz is a, a font of an amazing number of really bad ideas. Maybe my favorite of his bad. There are so many that are just so laughably bad. Give me some examples here. Yes. The, the best bad idea, I think, is uh, yeah, in his speech at Liberty, which was fill, filled with imagine this, imagine that. He said, imagine abolishing the IRS. Yeah. No, that is I – would, I would agree Goofy. with you. Uh, that is silly. Yes, and it's not a one-off sort of thing. He said that before, which suggests to me, because as you pointed out, Ted Cruz is a very smart guy, Ivy League education. No one questions his intelligence. So if he's saying stuff like that, he's pandering in the worst possible way. I, I, I I have 
so little respect for this man that it's 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 hard to measure on even the most sensitive of instruments. Wow. Well, let, I I will point out though, and we had this discussion. This was probably like a year and a half ago before the podcast, when Cruz stood up and uh, filibustered Obamacare the day it was to uh, before it was to take effect. Um, and your concern was this was going to cost the House or cost uh, Republican seats in the House. Not your concern, I maybe your hope. Um, and I responded, no, it's brilliant because he's staking out his turf and Obamacare is going to flop and it, it's not going to hurt Republicans. And, and it didn't. And uh, uh, I also I also said uh, to this discount to the uh, getting upset of some of your students that uh, also by that time, Putin would have Obama wearing a dress. And I wasn't far off on that one either. But I think Cruz knows what he's doing. And oh, I, I think I, he's he's probably is, he realizes he's smart enough that he's he's not going to be the nominee or he's not going to win. But he's paving he's paving the way. And uh, keep in mind, uh, Reagan ran sort of a similar campaign in 76, and he didn't win, uh, but he did later. Yeah, absolutely. Although I don't, I don't see Ted Cruz ever winning. I, I would say that uh, I see him as both a, uh, a non-factor in the long run and also a very bad guy. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move, let's move away from Ted Cruz. Speaking please. of bad guys, uh, this is, this is uh, something that, uh, you know, either, I, haven't, I haven't seen a lot of uh, stuff on TV because I haven't watched a lot of TV last week, but it's been uh, burning up Facebook. And that's the Indiana uh, Religious uh, Freedom Restoration Act uh, that was recently passed and signed into law. Um, and uh, folks are upset uh, because they see it in many cases, and 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 not without without reason necessarily, uh, as being anti-gay. Um, what what this would do, it's sort of a reaction to uh, lawsuits over uh, folks who would you know refuse to bake wedding cakes uh, for a gay wedding. Uh, there was another case, and I, I think it was in Montana that the you know wedding photographer. Um, they wanted to hire a photographer for a gay wedding, and he declined on religious reasons. And then they said, uh, the hell you are. Uh, you're going to uh, come and uh, photograph our gay wedding. Um, so well, I, I'm, maybe you can clear something up for me about this then. How is refusing service to someone based on their sexual orientation any different from refusing service to someone based on the – their race well first of all i would say it it probably isn't um but that's not what the statute says and this is something where i think the thing has been conflated to the to the best interest of everybody uh, you know what i mean the um uh the, the gay activist crowd has made that exact argument of oh, this is just like segregated uh lunch counters uh, it's back to jim crow it's the back of the bus and so forth um, but what the, the law actually says is it says you can't um, be forced to, to take part in practices that would uh, violate your exercise of, of your religion. Um, and again, there, it's, it's sort of complicated because this goes back to the same, the federal RFRA, which is what, uh, def- it was what uh, Hobby Lobby uh, re- relied on. Um, and I'm going to say that the big thing is if we had all just listened to Scalia in the first place, none of this would have happened. Uh, but 
Well, let me let me see if I understand this. Then, so it's about it's, no, it's complicated. But yes. so if it, if it's about burdening the free exercise of religion, then presumably, if some clan type people said that as part of their religious observance, religious beliefs, that they could not participate in serving, uh, you know, uh, African Americans, then they'd be okay under Indiana's RFRA. Uh, I, I would say probably not. And here's here's the difference. And I, I don't think it's really been pointed out. Now, it's not to say that, that, you know, the Klan might not make that argument because they probably would, because, you know, that's sort of what they do. But I think we can draw a line between someone, uh, a gay person walking into a coffee shop saying, hi, I'd like to, uh, you know, can I have a, a tall macchiato and, and a conversation about affirmative action? Uh, and then being turned down versus a gay person walking in and saying, I would like you to participate in uh, my gay wedding ceremony. I think I think you can draw a line between the two. And and that is what the the bill would would essentially mm-hmm. do. So you'd be comfortable with that essentially same line being drawn if the person weren't gay, but if the person were black. Well, I guess what's the what's the religious religious um action that you would be forced to take uh, or or religious action that you're supposed to take but would would not be able to take um by by serving or not serving a black person see that's what i'm wondering well i mean again i don't know and this is this is you're going back to this is what scalia said in uh what started this whole thing off it was a 1993 uh supreme court case employment services versus smith um like that's his real name um that had to do with uh, Indians, uh, uh, American Indians, ingesting uh, peyote, um, and then getting fired for drug testing uh, because they they failed their drug test. They also were, of course, drug counselors, um, but that was right. their job. So, and anyway, then what happened? They applied for unemployment. The, the uh, state said, "No, uh, you were fired for cause." And they said, "Hey, look, it's part of our religion to ingest peyote." And uh, this rule that would perhaps prohibit us from doing that violates our religion. Uh, Scalia said, nah, come on. Um, you're just because this, this is a law of general application that says you can't do drugs. Um, and if, you, if you're fired for doing drugs, you don't get unemployment. It doesn't uh, violate your religion. It's not aimed at your religion. Uh, and if, if that's the way we're going to do this, then people can, as you say, and as a lot of, it's sort of funny, a lot of the gay activists have said, uh, a man can sort of be a law unto himself because they can sort of uh, make up their own religion, um, much as Fred Sanford did uh, to uh, avoid uh, taxes in the classic Sanford right now, episode. But, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think in, when this has come up in the past in certain cases, and it has, the court has at times basically said you can't just essentially make up your religion out of whole cloth and, you know. Exactly. And that's that's why I'm saying this is not going to be that big a deal. Because if someone that says, listen, I'm a, I'm a conservative Christian, I don't believe in gay marriage, uh, you can say, yeah, I can see there's a history of, of that. That seems to be a legitimate religious belief. It's widely held. Uh, you know, hey, check with the Pope. I mean, there's, you know. But, but you can't uh, you say, but you that. can't say, hey, I'm a. I'm a Klansman, and there's a long history of us uh, not believing in blacks and whites living together, and there's a long history of that. So that's not like that's not an established thing. It may not be as popular, certainly, but it's certainly well established in history. But it's not it's not your religion. 
And uh, the First Amendment uh, doesn't guarantee you, and, and the Religious Freedom Act that, that was passed to sort of um, to enhance the First Amendment after employment services uh, doesn't apply. And, and the, the statute applies only to religious beliefs. Well, let me ask you this. If this isn't such a big deal, why did the state of Indiana do this? Well, first of all, I think most – well, for, for a couple reasons. Um, one is – uh, on the side of the conservatives, there is the fear that I will get sued uh, into baking a gay cake. Um, <laughs> there, there is a, there, no, there's a, 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 a sensible sort of sort of reason that look, people ought not to be uh, uh, targets uh, made to uh, participate in something they absolutely abhor from a religious standpoint. Uh, they shouldn't be a target. I mean, if you look at the other suits, it's ridiculous. If you want to compel someone to do business with you who you don't want to do business with, um, but you're going to drag them to court, uh, to me, that's that's frivolous. See, it's it's see, mean-hearted. It, to me, it's abuse that, of the legal process. To me, that uh, just sets such a really awful – sends such an awful message saying essentially that the, your religious convictions are, are more important than – you know, then uh, creating a society or encouraging a society in which we have tolerance for uh, for people based on characteristics over which they have no inherent control. Right. But again, I, I, I would say that you're misinterpreting the statute. We're not talking about discriminating against someone based on characteristics. We're ba- we're saying you are protected from being forced to act to to you yourself engage in conduct that would violate uh, your sincerely held uh, religious beliefs. And, and so, so you're saying that uh, essentially if that conduct is serving someone a cup, cup of coffee, that's one thing. But if that conduct is baking a cake for them, then it's okay to, to be able to say no for that, but uh, not for I'd, a cup I'd, of coffee. I would draw the line a bit, little bit further. I would say if, if I'm the um, a baker and someone comes in and says, hey, it's my uh, partner's birthday next week. I'd like to, you know, get him a birthday cake. Uh, I would say there would be no claim to be able to say, no, I, I won't do that. You're, it sounds like you're gay. I'm not, I'm not doing that. But if someone were to, were to come in and say, hey, uh, I would like uh, a wedding cake for uh, my, my partner and I are, are getting married next week, and I would like you to uh, participate in making that wedding cake, uh, I think that that is a, a difference. I mean, it, it's a slight difference. I'll, I'll give you that. But that's yeah. the line I think that, that you're drawing is one one goes to sort of an observance as the other is just a straight ahead. Uh, See, I, I like my rules a little more straightforward. And my, my rule, I think, is a lot simpler is that if you are a business open to the general public, you aren't allowed to discriminate based on that period. End of sentence. And if you're if you're very concerned about your religious convictions being that important to you, then uh, then maybe you should find something else to do. Well, that that puts you back. Wow. Squarely with uh, with Scalia uh, and employment services. Um, but, uh, you know, regardless, my, my point is, I think this is going to be a less big deal because states have, have had these religious freedom acts for, you know, again, decades. Uh, I've yet to hear of someone who's been refused service uh, I don't think it's going to happen in Indiana. I mean, maybe there will be a setup kind of test case sort of thing. Um, but even then, it's it's because it's bad for business. 
Uh, and I also want to point out that, that it's sort of a crazy thing of all the, the the original RFRA, of course, was passed by, was sponsored by Chuck Schumer and Ted Kennedy. The language in Indiana and all the other states is identical, word for word, um, uh, talking about that. That being and it goes, said, it goes, it that being to, said attitudes, toward the, attitudes toward the same-sex marriage and homosexuality have changed quite a bit in the intervening, intervening period of time. Exactly. But here's the thing is, is everyone in, in Indiana or, or people who even refuse to hop on the bandwagon uh, trashing Indiana are, are being described as haters. Uh, you know, they're horrible bigots. This is uh, Jim Crow all over again. When again, this has been the law in most states for twenty some years. Well, I, I'll say so this: that's, I, that's I don't... where I, I draw the line, and it, it's it's frustrating that anytime there's a difference of opinion, the left says, "Ah, you 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 hate us." It's a hate hate. You know, it's the Klansman again. I mean, it's uh... one certainly can overreact, but I, I will say uh, before we move on that uh, I, I would I would say that it's certainly not good public policy. I disagree. I would say it's probably uh, not needed would be the way I, I would say, because there are plenty of statutes that get passed that you don't really need because this could get itself worked out in court. So, anyway. so then you're saying that passing laws that aren't needed is good public policy? No, no, I'm, so I'm saying you agree with me. It isn't good I, I would public say, policy. I would say, look, I, I'm not I'm not saying it's bad public policy. I'm saying it's it's redundant public policy. It's perhaps okay. unneeded, uh, but it, it benefits the one side in that they're able to say they're doing something about this to protect you uh, from being forced to do something you don't want to do. Uh, and the uh, the other, the um, uh, pro-gay side is loving it uh, because it's, it's generating all sort of furor, all sort of news. And uh, you can post your little Facebook memes and everybody feels good about themselves and everybody is able to raise money off the thing. Um, the the calls for boycotts of Indiana, I think, are, are hilarious, though, if, if you think about it, just because it's theoretically, if the, the idea is that you have people who don't want to do business with you, uh, you're going to stick it to them by refusing to do business with them. Um, it just doesn't really make sense. The only person, people that would be harmed would be people uh, who would be happy to do business with you, regardless of your, your gender identity. Um but anyway, my my point is, I don't think it's going to be a big deal legally, and I think this will sort of fade out uh, before too long. Okay. Well, let's move on to something I think we, we might agree on a little bit more. Uh, Sergeant Bo Bergdahl has been charged with desertion and misbehavior before the enemy. He, of course, was the uh, guy who walked off his post in Afghanistan and ended up getting captured by a, a Taliban-related group and held for nearly five years, at which point we negotiated for his release, trading, I believe it was, five people at Guantanamo for him. So right. what do you think about this, Jay? Uh, I I think it's good that he's being charged. Um, I think it's bad that we had to make the deal. Uh, it, it, to me, it, it sort of uh, speaks to the, the the schizophrenic sort of uh, foreign policy that we have that uh, the Obama administration made this deal uh, to, to trade five Taliban prisoners. And there's some reports that at least three of them have tried to rejoin the fight uh, for this guy uh, who he suspected 
uh, you know, of desertion. Everyone at the time said, wait a minute, this guy, uh, uh, um, oh gosh, what's her name? Um, from the talk shows, our current UN, uh, ambassador. Susan Rice. Yeah. Susan who Rice, said that he, uh, served, with he served with distinction. Yeah. Um, until he left. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think we, uh, we both was all this sort of the, yeah, served with distinction meme, uh, going on for a while. Uh, and, uh, so now we got him back and, um, like, okay, now we're going to prosecute him and put him in jail. It, it just seems like, well, what was the plan here? <laughs> I think <laughs> you, you and I, you and I both, uh, agree on this. Uh, I think if we could have gotten him back, uh, without exchanging, uh, five prisoners, then, then maybe. And, and I, I mean, I, I, I'm sympathetic in the sense I don't want anyone to be held by the Taliban. And I think right. we should make, all reasonable efforts to get someone back. But I also feel that, number one, we don't negotiate with terrorists as a matter of policy. And number two, we especially don't negotiate with terrorists when the person we're negotiating for wasn't someone who was just left behind, because he wasn't. It was someone who walked away. Very different different case. It's it's even one thing to say, like, uh, we negotiated with terrorists, but but damn it, we're gonna we're gonna get drive a hard bargain. I mean, this yeah. is sort of like <laughs> yeah, five to one isn't exactly. See, so yeah, I think I think the army is absolutely right in doing what they're doing. I don't necessarily know that it's going to come to a trial. I mean, I, certainly there might be some plea agreement in the works where he gets a dishonorable discharge. I would yeah, expect so, and, and that sort of thing. Claims of mental illness or something like that that were going on, and. Um, yeah, I mean, my my thing is, yeah, if he deserted, then he ought to be prosecuted, and they have the the ought to follow its regular path. My bigger problem is we gave away um, five guys who 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 we captured. I mean, and, and so I mean, that's the thing of um, which you know, is I, I made the I made the analogy earlier. It's like because you know baseball season's coming up next week. If you have if you have five you know star players or, or prospects or, or, or players, and 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 you trade them for one prospect who's really not so good uh and then you proceed to either you know put that guy on the bench or just cut them all together uh people would say you're a pretty bad manager um and uh i think i think in our in our previous uh, pre-pod conversation you suggested well these maybe these guys aren't all they're cracked up to be the five taliban we we released um but yeah. you know they're they're better than he is because at least at least they didn't deserve. Sure. So we had to well, actually I, capture them. And I want to point out, I there are some people uh, who I uh, violently, not violently, but vehemently, I guess, disagree with who say, "Well, he deserved he deserved what he got." I think that's I think that's reprehensible. I don't think he deserved what he got at the hands of the Taliban. I believe everyone should be treated humanely, whether they're a prisoner or not. And pretty clearly, he wasn't, and it was horrible what he went through. But that doesn't mean that we should change matters of national policy uh, because of this. And so uh, I, I hope I hope I wish him well. I think he made a horrible choice. I hope he doesn't spend any more time in jail. But I also think we need to send the message saying that if you disagree with the military leaving, uh, especially in a, in a combat zone, is not the appropriate way to express that disagreement. You're here. All right. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned foreign policy before. I wanted to bring that up as well. Um, it's been kind of a big week in yeah. terms of foreign policy, all kinds of fascinating, interesting stuff going on. Uh, 
uh, President Obama, after meeting with the uh, president of, of Afghanistan, announced that he'd leave. Uh, we're going to leave 9,800 American troops there until the end of the year at a cost of, if anyone's interested, around $38 billion. That wasn't actually in any of the media reports. That seems, that seems a lot for 9,800 troops. I, you know, it does. I, I had to dig up some facts on that, and this is based on some Congressional Research Service data on this. In fact, it was uh, became part of a uh, blog post in the Politics Guys. And if listeners, if you're not following the Politics Guys blog, uh, we, we post stuff what the on, hell's wrong with yeah, on a regular basis. So, But not only that, but of course, we're removing our last remaining people out of Yemen, which is a problem because it's kind of been a base for us to do anti-terrorist things. And it's we're been a resounding su- success, as, as Obama pointed out. Until it wasn't, yeah. Yes. Uh, and also, let me see if I get this all straight, because there's so much going on, that we're in favor of the Saudi-led strikes on Yemen, and they are, in fact, striking Iranian-backed rebels, but we're also mm-hmm. in negotiations with the Iranians and the Saudis don't like that, and neither do the Israelis. We kind of like, except when it comes to the Palestinian settlements that they may or may not be for. It kind of depends on when during the Israeli election season you ask them. Is that is that about right? Or Well, and also I, that we're sort of, uh, the word is, I don't know whether we're partnering with Iran uh, on airstrikes against ISIS, Uh because we were sort of on the same side there, and then the Iranians said, "Well, if they're if they're doing airstrikes, uh, then we're not going to fight." I mean, what a um, mess! Yeah, well, I, to me, it seems the only the only people who we are, we are consistently screwing uh, are the Israelis. Oh, I don't think we're <laughs> consistently screwing them. I think certainly we have we have uh, conflicting interests, without a doubt. But uh, I, I don't. I think we're just consistently screwing ourselves by having such a incoherent policy, this uh, this uh, web of alliances of convenience where where we're essentially working against our own interests half the time. Uh, it, just, it goes back to something that uh, George W. Bush said back when he was candidate for president, and he expressed a, a strong concern about nation building, especially in the Middle East, and I think he was absolutely right. And I think uh, this so much of this links into our efforts to nation build, kind of on the cheap, and not really go into it in the big way. And and I think it's just bearing really unfortunate fruit. Yeah, uh, I I again would say um, incoherent is a good word. Um, gosh, I had a better word. I'm trying to think. We had talked about this before, and I even uh, well, I think, but, but and I, but while while you're thinking, dithering, further. dithering was, uh, yeah, the word that I used, um, because it is, it's not. I, I wouldn't even say alliances of convenience. It's just sort of, we don't really have any sort of a plan, and stuff just kind of keeps happening, and we just sort of. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's that's the idea. I mean, if you want to say this is what our interests are, uh, here are the the folks we're going to back, and and let's do it. Um, that's what you need to do, but we've we've put ourselves in in such a bizarre position. I would say largely based on this negotiating with the Iranians, um, that uh, it, it's really difficult to tell whose side anyone is on at this point, uh, or or who we ought to root for. Well, I, I would say we've done ourselves an awful lot of damage historically 
by uh, supporting the Israelis more than I think their actions deserve. And I think that's given us, between that and, of course, our, our various military adventures, I think we've created such a tremendous amount of ill will and a lot, in my mind, kind of you know, goes back to those those decisions. Oh, I don't. I, I would disagree with you there. Uh, I I think uh, uh, the Iranians would hate us regardless of uh, what our position is on Israel. Uh, the Saudis would still do business with us regardless of our position on Israel. Um, you know, there is. I mean, again, we're talking maybe about different eras because a lot of those alliances were formed in the, in the Cold War, where there was a, a different threat. Um, in fact, I would say you could argue that a lot of the reason the Iranians hate us is because our policy in Iran. I mean, we supported the Shah. Well, then we we, so, you know, so we again, overthrew has, their government to, to get do, the Shah in. Little to do with with Israel, um, uh, but. Uh, well, I, I, I think it's it's you know it's difficult. I I sympathize with the Obama administration. Uh, certainly, dithering I think is a is a fair word, absolutely. But then again, I contrast that with the Bush administration, which was I guess you could say was often wrong but never hesitant. And I don't know that that's a great policy either. In fact, I know it's not. So sometimes I I think I'm I'm fairly certain that the Obama administration can be too uh, hesitant, can be, you know, too concerned with weighing too many things and maybe overthink a lot of things. But then again, I saw the results of the Bush administration doing the exact opposite. Well, I I really, because I would say uh, we had uh, Iraq, a stable Iraq, a stable voting Iraq uh, until the troops were pulled out. Uh, We had some stability in Afghanistan until we started pulling stuff out. And and I think once those last 9,800 leave next year, um, which, which again, is is just bizarre. The, you know, it's it's sort of like, would the Roman Empire ever have said that? Uh, We're we're going to occupy this place till mm, February. (laughs) Well, well, I just think the costs involve an empire and and the idea that Iraq was ever sort of stable. I mean, it was stable with massive support. We spent trillions of dollars on on this adventure and uh, we were left with a situation that's almost certainly worse than the situation we started with that to me is the legacy of the bush administration's policy of hey we were you know we were attacked by people connected to afghanistan so let's invade iraq oh dear you you're smarter than that you know that's what what iraq wasn't about Um, i i think that's exactly what you are smarter than i think you're i think i think you're deluding yourself weapons of mass destruction weapons of mass Uh, destruction sure right that that was that's been pretty decisively disproven oh no it it hasn't unless you want to call it sad little chemical chemical stores that they had but they were talking about real wmds no that was a was a big put up job by rumsfeld and company the piece from the atlantic from a couple months ago talking about the bush administration buying buying chemical weapons from the iraqis it's funny how the weapons of mass destruction that were mentioned when colin powell was talking to the u.n to get the authorization Funny how that they didn't really say anything about chemical weapons. It was all about oh, the no, enriched oh, uranium and yellow had, cake yeah, and all that. The story of, oh changes very conveniently to. Uh, oh my gosh, you you forget so so quickly. Oh, uh, and there was also the idea of there were supposed to be inspections, and Hussein wouldn't allow them. 
uh, we're going to we're going down that same road uh, in Iraq, except at this point or in Iran. Uh, when we ask for inspections, they will likely say no, and we'll say, oh, okay. Um, would you like to inspect our facilities? Um, you know, it's it's. Um, well, I think I think we have a pretty uh, a pretty significant disagreement on this, but I just will say that I think that uh, the invasion uh, the invasion of, of of Iraq was the uh, worst foreign policy decision that the United States has made, and in, in uh, I don't even know how long. I I can't even kind of perhaps the worst of all time. Wow, I think it's just stunningly, stunningly I, bad. I think, Heinz, I think hindsight is twenty twenty. Uh, as Kissinger said of uh, Vietnam, uh, it was the war we had to fight to avoid fighting World War Three. Oh, and I think that is just you don't you don't so know, ridiculously don't know what else, wrong. What else uh, uh, to say? To say we will have, would have had a more stable world. Uh, again, I'm not sure how that impacts uh, what's happened in Syria, what's happened in Yemen. Uh, and so forth, how that links to Iraq. I'm just not seeing it. Okay. So, Well, why don't we move on? We'll continue uh, that another day. Yes. Okay, so on the lighter side of things, you yeah. uh, you had uh, something you wanted to talk about. Well, I suppose it's not necessarily the lighter side, uh, depending who you are. Um, there is a uh, proposed ballot initiative in California, uh, and it's been labeled by its its sponsor, the Sodomite Suppression Act. Yeah, that doesn't sound very light. So you you sort of know where he, you know where he's coming from on this. Uh, essentially, the the point of this would be to make uh, homosexuality a crime punishable uh, by death. I think the the initiative specifies bullet to the head. Um, it also would prohibit uh, uh, homosexuals from serving any public office. Um, uh, you might even say this this is even worse than Indiana, Mike. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, to point out this 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 would never go into effect because it's not only is it ridiculous, but more importantly, it's blatantly unconstitutional yeah, for a and, lot and, of reasons. Uh, Secretary of State Kamala Harris is uh, looking for ways to uh, prevent it from being petitions from being circulated. The way this works in California, and it's it's pretty similar other places, is. You walk into the Secretary of State's office and say, hey, I've got a great idea for a ballot initiative. Uh, here's my filing fee. And they say, great, go uh, collect your petitions, um, which in California, it, it's a ridiculously low number of uh, petitions that you need to collect or signatures you need to collect. Um, a little over 300,000, I think. It's still, it's, sort of, it's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but what's more uh you know, and a part of this is just a feature of California, which has these notoriously loose laws on uh, how you do initiative petitions. Um, but uh, the guy who is who is supposed to be pushing it is a lawyer named Matthew McLaughlin. Um, uh, there's also been a push to disbar him, but but the weird thing is, no one no one has seen him, no one can find him. Uh, there was a piece in the uh, ABA journal the other day that there's actually another guy um, named Matthew McLaughlin who was who just passed the bar last year. Oh, poor guy! <laughs> he keeps saying, "Look, I'm not this guy." Sure, you're not. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Sure. Hate mail and death threats and and what have you. Uh, there was a piece of all these folks who allegedly went to the same high school as Matthew McLaughlin, um, uh, saying how ashamed and, and ridiculous this is. Uh, but none of them actually remember Matt, uh, and it, it's just this bizarre thing of uh, is this is he a real guy? Uh, they haven't found any like address. It's just a PO box. Weird. Uh, there is another Matthew McLaughlin who's who is 
uh, licensed attorneys registered with the bar. Um, but to me, I mean, I, I get to, to, to call this, you know, there's some sort of, you know, right wing movement afoot or something. I think is, it, I think it's one of two things. I think you maybe have just one goofy guy who's absolutely insane. Uh, or it's, it's sort of a put up, um, a put up, uh, put up. Yeah. We're, you know, look, this this will give a lot of uh, uh, politicians the the uh, ability to, um, you know, pound their chest and pat themselves on the back uh, for being against killing homosexuals. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it, I think we can all and, unite around that. The, yeah, let's point and say, geez. look at look at what these crazy right wingers are trying to do. Gotcha. OK. Now, the other thing, like I said, with with if McLaughlin is just this sort of crazy guy you typically expect to hear more from him. You know, I mean, he'd, he'd have a blog, um, you know, hell, sure. we have a podcast. He'd be, he'd be out there tweeting. Uh, he would have done other stuff, uh, but they can't really find any uh, cases of any kind of significance he's been involved in. Uh, and again, they can't find an address. There's no web page. Uh, and that just, it, uh, you know, I, I'd say my spider senses are tingling here. I'm just sort of okay. suspicious. Gotcha. Well, I, I think we're going to have to uh, leave you with your suspicions for this week because we are, seems like we've just about run out of time, I think. All right. But uh, that is it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is politicsguys at gmail.com. That's politicsguys, one word, at gmail.com. We'll be back next Sunday with another look at the week in American politics. We hope you'll join us.